Oh, you know what we ought to do then? Uh, what, roll the opening. Yeah, let's, yeah, do, let's that. do that. And, and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> You're listening to Forty Three Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers, and I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dread, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. Anyway, so Sponte Leader is the second, well, the first actual cue point in the yeah. leave right, the fourth quadrant, uh, leaving right being the, the construction of legacy, what, yes. you, what you leave behind. Um, the statement is a man who has been free to lead. Mm-hmm. That's the statement. And free to lead, of course, is the name of our award-winning book, F3 yes. book, Free to Lead, The Unshackling of a Modern Day Warrior. So this kind of all fits yes. in together somehow. Uh, three thought-provoking Socratics. First, how does a leader know what to do? Mm-hmm. Second, how does a leader know how to do? As awkward a question as that is, is to get some point across. What and how, yeah. right? Third, how does a group ensure that its leaders know what and how to do? So groups, again, are communities, organizations, mm-hmm. and teams. So this idea of sous-spante leadership uh, applies to all three types of groups. Now, sous-spante, uh, as I know you know, being classically trained at uh, <laughs> Radford University, yes. is, uh, it's Latin for of his own accord. Yes. Of his own accord. Uh, in my uh, professional life, which is only either as soldier or as lawyer, sua sponte is kind of a common theme and first applies to United States Army Rangers. And I'm a Ranger qualified mm-hmm. soldier, um, but it, it's more from the Ranger Regiment. It's their motto. Uh, and the point of it is you're there because you're a triple volunteer. You volunteer for the Army, you volunteer for Airborne School, and you volunteer to be a Ranger. So you're triple triple volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the train the, the thing about being a ranger, what makes them super infantry soldiers is that the leadership training is so strong that every single man there is a leader um, of his own accord, right? He's, he's mm-hmm. supposed to take initiative, supposed to do it that way. Uh, the other um, contextual use of sua sponte is, and from my second career as a lawyer, which is when a judge takes it takes a motion that's not made so that the way it works is you make a motion to the to the court mm-hmm. one side or the other does so i just you know went through two weeks of trial meaning there were like a thousand motions <laughs> like all day right? yeah. what you're trying to do is uh, a motion is what induces the court to render an order mm-hmm. it could be a major order it could be a minor order it could be evidentiary it could be dispository in other words it disposes of a claim whatever but uh anyway you cut it it's because either the plaintiff or defendant says you know, Your Honor, we move. Plaintiff moves mm-hmm. for the following, and the court. We've all seen that. Yeah, in, in, that's very typical in, yeah, in TV and movies and judicial dramas. Uh, and then the other side, the non-moving party, opposes the motion. The judge hears from both sides and comes to a conclusion. It's just an order. If there is no motion before the judge, but he issues an order anyway, that's called sua sponte. Okay, that's the court acting of its own of accord. Its own accord. Yeah. And that is because it has inherent powers and it also, the judge is supposed to uh, be seeking justice and if he sees something that's so unjust, mm-hmm. you know, and so there are times when I've been in court, didn't happen these two weeks, where a question is so bad, but the the other side doesn't object to it. A judge will, judge will he'll say, he'll say objection. Okay, I'm gonna, yeah, he said, you yeah. have to ask another question. It's so bad. 
Oh wow! Yeah. It, Did you do it? <laughs> yeah. It, they're rarely done, but that's yeah. sometimes hmm. that's done. So okay. it's it's rare. But that would be a sua sponte sua sponte ruling. Ruling. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's the idea of this thing, and you know we have adopted that idea of the sua sponte leader as the format or the goal of who we want the F3 leader to be. Mm-hmm. You know, we want him to be a guy that takes action and furtherance of his group's articulated purpose without anybody telling him to do it. Yeah. You know, without any anybody yeah. specifically saying. He's not just sitting there with his hands in his right. pockets waiting for somebody to give him an order. Sure. Organizations or teams or even communities that have sua sponte leaders are the most powerful because they're not dependent upon yeah. anything. Right. right. It's, the, it's the men within or the women within. They see the need. See a problem, yep. devise a solution, persuade others, articulate. And go execute. And yeah. go execute, right? Yeah. It, everything we've always been talking about. Yeah. And I will um, somewhat self-servingly try to use F3 as an example of this. No one told OBT and I that the community of Charlotte needed, needed this. It, right. We saw the need. Nobody authorized us to do it. I was going to say, did you go and seek permission from it's, anyone to go do it? Anybody permission no. to do it. Uh, or, you know, the, the predecessor work at the campus and it just filled a, a need, provided a solution to a problem. No one, no existing governmental authority or anyone said that you should do this. But we didn't wait around for somebody to tell us we could do it. We did it because we felt like we had to do it. Like it was our yeah. duty as community members and leaders in the community to do it. And the fact that it worked well, well here and that idea has now spread to other communities to me is testament to that. It was a, a solution to a real problem. Clearly. And that it's a problem that's true in other communities. So it was natural for us to then pass on the same idea of sua sponte leadership as we try to help other men in other communities use it. It wouldn't have made much sense to say, you know, we're sua sponte leaders of our own accord using our own initiative in Charlotte. Now do it exactly the way we tell you. Right, <laughs> which is it. That's right. Which is Wait till I give you permission, that's and then right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't have made any sense to me. Yeah. Now, uh, that's what's interesting about that is that that was the mixed egg uh, mm. this week that you repeated, and it reflects the idea. Is like, what are we going to do? Well, we have this organization. First thing we do is to sit down and write rules. And Tim and I didn't do that. We said, no, right. we need if we want men to act of their own initiative, we don't need to give them rules. We just need to give them core principles, guidelines, yeah. a mission, right? You know, a mission. Task and purpose, right? And then and core principles so that they can follow it. And a rallying cry, which is a credo, you know, leave no man behind, but leave no man where you find him. By providing that, we're giving, hopefully, making clear the mission. Now, that's the first spur. So, mm-hmm. the first Socratic, again, is how does a leader know what to do? And the first spur is you make clear right. the mission, right? Yeah. You leave no doubt in the mind of, of the, the members of the organization uh, what it is that the mission is. Mm-hmm. I use the example of when I was in the infantry, the mission was to close with and destroy the enemy. Right. That meant we're supposed to be lethal. And everything I, did, yeah, if everything I did in training my platoon, um, because I only really had two jobs, training them for combat and participate in combat with them, which I, you know, by the grace of God, didn't have to do. Uh, but lethality was the mission. Close right. with, which means move quickly enough mm-hmm. to get close to the enemy, close enough to them to destroy them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that if that sounds brutal and violent, it's because that's what the infantry is supposed to be, is brutal and violent. Well, that, I don't know how to break it to you. It's called war. It's called war. And yeah. you don't you don't send the infantry in to, to talk to the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> like we were talking about before, like, they're not there to for the compromising. Right. Yeah. That's the right. politicians do that crap. That's right. Yeah. Now, I use the countervailing example of a church I once belonged to that had a stated mission, which was to be a spiritual home for all people. 
which sounds nice but didn't provide me with what I needed. You know, it was premised on the verb to be, which means it's a status. Mm-hmm. So it's not about movement, right? It's about something you're being. In other words, it doesn't ask for anything except existential continuity. Yeah. So it's not, in fact, a mission. Second, because it's a status rather than, than an action, it requires nothing. Yeah. As long as you stay there. Not, yeah, really. Not, not I mean, anything. in fact, in a way, you were talking about an inferred uh, principles, right? The inferred principle there is... Don't do anything. Do nothing. That's yeah. right. Do Don't nothing do. that would offend or upset or right. bother anyone in any way because this needs to be a place where they can come. All right. If it's going to be a spiritual <clears throat> home for all people, that means that if you're going to do something to make a single person feel unwelcome, then he can't be there. Right. But no organization, community, or team can thrive that way. To prosper, there's got to be movement, and movement is painful. And if your goal is to not bring anybody pain, you're by definition a bullfrog. Yeah. I mean, you've bullfrogged yourself. Yeah. I mean, like you didn't just like evolve to that point. You, like, you right. went and picked out a lily pad, and you were like, that's where we'll sit. That's right. That's where we'll sit. <laughs> you know, and, and all lily pads look good today, but they're eroding, mm-hmm. and all bullfrogs are turning into leeches, absent something else interceding. Right. That's something else being that somebody. And that somebody is a suicide leader. <laughs> all right. So without mission, there can be no movement. Yeah. You know, that culminates the first spur. Second spur, which is teach all you know. Now, that's in response to the second Socratic, which is how does a leader know how to do? Right. He knows how to do because the leaders have taught right. Somebody everything. Somebody stood up and told him. <laughs> right. That's the positive habit transfer. Yeah. I like to use uh, the example of not doing this. We call it bricks without straw. That mm-hmm. refers to a, a passage in Genesis, uh, maybe Exodus. Exodus. Early on in the Old Testament. Yeah, early on in the Old Testament is Exodus, um, where uh, Moses is um, right before Moses comes back to, to lead the Jews out of, out of Egypt. Um, the Jews are, have this, uh, these work requirements, these standards that Pharaoh has to, gives them. They have mm-hmm. to make so many bricks, and you make bricks with mud and straw. Mm-hmm. So he made it increasingly hard. The Pharaoh did because he, you know, he hated the Jews, and he, made, you know, he would increase the, the quota that they had to produce. And finally, he just took the straw away. Well, you can't, you can't, can't make, make a brick. You can't make a brick without straw. Neither can you can you make an organization prosper without leaders, and you can't have leaders unless you're equipping them. You have to give them, you have to yeah. teach them what you know. Uh, otherwise, there's no real way for the organization to be effective. The community can't be healthy. The team can't be dynamic. That gets us back to leadership development process, you know. And then for us, and this is the succeeding cue points here in right. Believe Right. That's schooling, mm-hmm. right? That's didactic instruction that a potential leader receives about timeless fundamentals about leadership, you know, platform instruction. Right. Apprenticeship, you know, a new leader is given a chance to lead, but he's got the, you know, he's got the boss's hands on his hands, so, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. mess up. Opportunity, chance to lead on his own, take responsibility for the outcome for himself, and then finally failure. Right. To fail is, to, is, is where the real essence of leadership are learned. So that's a leadership developed process in a nutshell was four things. That's how you teach a man how to do. Yeah. How to do it. Good example for me, and I believe litigation is leadership. I had a young associate with me in this trial for the last two weeks. I'm sitting here. I'm primarily trying the case. He's helping me. Right. Um, something would happen. And if in the moment, if I could, I'd tell him, that's why I did not. So I don't or, or if opposing counsel did something that was was bad, was counterproductive to his case. I'd say, don't ever do that. <laughs> but likewise, Sorry, if he take did, a picture. likewise if he did something uh, that was was good, I you know I'd, yeah, whatever, say, hey, right? It was that kind of thing. That's right. that's the kind of thing you want. That's to do. kind of thing, you yeah. know. And I I made two mistakes in this trial, both of which worked out okay. Um, 
But I not frankly, out of break, I said, one of, actually, one of the mistakes he, my associate helped me caught me as in the midst of making. It's complicated what it was, but he hit me, hit me in the, literally hit me in the leg, and I stopped doing what I was doing. I was just had a brain, uh-huh. brain fart. I was in the midst of something stupid. Another thing, I made a d- deliberate choice to do something that could have gone badly, didn't go badly, but you know, but we but talked j- about it, uh-huh. right? So that's debriefed after. Yeah, so he's in apprenticeship right now. You yeah, know, one day he's going to be in opportunity and doing it for himself and failing. But you know, when I would talk to him after the trial and explain, here's what we did, and. I, most of it's funny i'd say he'd say well how do we where's where's that written down i say it's not written down i learned it here's how i learned it it's always failure yeah i learned it because i screwed this I up screwed a this billion times yeah i screwed this up hopefully not a billion no yeah, i screwed yeah. this up and this is what i did to solve that dilemma right and uh as the case you know i've tried several cases with him and he's learned this methodology doesn't mean he won't won't construct his own sure but it's the same for leadership well, that, that's the way it always works, right? It in, is the way it always in, works. Until you develop your own or until you ex- have your own experiences to draw on, you you borrow the guy ahead of you. Right. Yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah, yeah. So within a lizard, and again, I'm just going to review this since while we talked about it. A lizard is a dynamic organization, an yes. organization that's constantly developing new leaders. That, all about movement. All about movement considers itself <clears throat> to be an organization of leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it spends a tremendous amount of time on the leadership development. Uh, that's that's a lizard. You know, you pick something light, has everything it needs, mm-hmm. can get in anywhere, can hang off a wall. You know, right? right? <laughs> it's about moving. Bullfrog can't do that. And that's the second yeah. kind of organization. At Bullfrog is about existential continuity. Yep. It's really about making sure that it's continuing to camp out of its own, you know, chosen lily pad. Uh, and ultimately, it's going to turn into that third type of organization, which is a leech, which only survives by feeding on bullfrogs too slow to move. Not to be confused with Mike Leach. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Not related. Unfortunate that the right. Mike Leach, because the whole analogy. <laughs> well, they're spelled be, differently. They're spelled differently. Yeah. Good point. So, yeah. so uh, you know, that's kind of how it breaks down within a, le- a lizard organization. All four phases of this leadership development process are constantly being repeated and reinforced. Yeah. Uh, and that the purpose of that is to foster individual initiative what we call i2 mm-hmm. individual initiative so i2 is 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 the sua sponte leader that, that's sua sponte that's yeah. sua sponte yeah. i2 individual initiative you want the guy to know the mission you want him to know how to perform it so that he can take he can take initiative mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. sees it you know so uh that's that's the criticality of it. the the opposite is c what we call c3 and f3 gosh so many letters and numbers <laughs> c3 is centrally cloaked <laughs> controlled collectivism yes so in other words some central head is making yeah. all the decisions you know and you, everyone in the organization right. is terrified to do anything right. until dad says so you know you picture every pr crisis an airline has <laughs> where they you know somebody some guy won't get off the plane right. or they got some kid in a wheelchair right. and they're forcing him to you know it's some yeah. bad decision that the the person on the ground the gate agent or whatever the pilot doesn't feel like they have the authority. Either they don't know the mission, they're not properly trained, or they and they're waiting to be told what to do, but they don't solve the problem on the ground. Or if they've ever made any attempt to do something in, on their own in the past, they right. have been punished. They've been punished, yeah. which is takes us to the third spur, yeah. which is to incentivize I2 and gracefully manage the inevitable failures. So this goes back to the third Socratic of how does a group ensure that its leaders know what and how to do. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and that's that incentivizing thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta use carrots and sticks to provide incentives. Carrots are, you know, positive things that reward virtuous right. behavior and sticks are things that punish its absence. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really yeah, no other yeah, way, no, yeah. you know, and, and you get dynamically more 
of the behavior you want when you incentivize with carrots and you get dynamically less when you punish with sticks, right? I mean, so incentives are important. It's just the nature of things. The nature of things, right? So to incentivize, properly incentivize I2 within a group, um, the leaders have to reward incentive anytime they see it. Yeah. No matter how small. No matter how small, regardless of the outcome. See, this is the hard part. Because a lot of times, individual initiative will lead to failure. It Mm. might lead to failure because the practitioner of it, the the taker of initiative, doesn't do it well. Right. It might lead to failure because that was going to happen regardless of who did it. Yeah. Right? And this is one that, that, uh, you know, having read and obviously... Well, maybe it's not obvious to everyone, but I I have I seek very hard to uh, adopt all these principles in my own life, right? as you should, Frank. Exactly. Um, but uh, this is what you know. That's like with my kids. It's tough. It's very tough because you don't want them to fail. You don't want them. You to. don't want. You don't but want yeah. To. But standing back and you have to, you know, you told them the mission. Right. They understand. You know, you made sure it was clear. And you let them kind of do their thing. Let them do their thing. You know, you know. I I think nature punishes you pretty well. I don't think there's a lot of reason to use sticks very often. Right. Right. You know, because I think I think the circumstances or nature will punish you just fine. That's. I think that's true. Uh, This also works in well with one of our basic leadership tenets, which is to pass the praise and take the blame. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, a subordinate leader takes initiative. It goes well. The world says, wow, look what you did. And you say, no, my subordinate leader did it. Yeah. It doesn't work well. And the world says, man, what a failure. And you say, yes, I failed. Yeah. And it's a very counterintuitive it's thing so to bad. do. Well, but if you don't do it, you'll get no I2. Right. You'll get zero I2. So the, the example we use in here is a high school basketball coach mm-hmm. uh, who trains his point guard to call a particular play at a particular time in the game. And then, you know, that particular time in the game comes up, end of the game, they're down by a point. Point guard does what he's supposed to do, calls that play. They run it to perfection. Point guard misses the layup. Team loses. Happens. Right. So virtuous leader says, great job. I know. You took the initiative. You did the right thing. Boom. Tell you what, Monday morning, we're all going, the whole team's going to practice layups a little bit. Because I failed to make sure that, uh, yeah, that we've we done that. We didn't strengthen right. that. that what he'll get out of that is more initiative out of that point guard. Mm-hmm. Now, if on the, the non-virtuous leader, um, just throws his hands up in frustration to the mixed missed layup, blames the point guard. Next uh, on Monday, point guard's doing sprints. Right. Right? Because you missed. Guess what? That point guard will never put himself in a position to fail again. He'll mm-hmm. never take initiative again. Why would he? With that, that carrot, you'll get dynamically less initiative right. than you would. They will become a basketball that team. Yeah, that stick will get dynamically yeah. less. Yeah. They'll become a basketball team that's a place that's safe for all men. That's right. For all people. For right. all people. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Now, flip the scenario. Point guard, though trained, doesn't, doesn't call the play. Just right. dribbles around circles. Last second, he gets stuck in the corner, and you're like, oh, and this he can't is over. Do anything. And yeah. he heaves it up, and it goes in. Right? So the, right. the virtuous go, leader, oh. the virtuous coach says, I'm happy that we won. Happy. Everyone, but, uh-huh. I'm, yes. but I'm not joyful at the way it went about because I haven't trained you properly. Yeah, That was luck. You can't scale luck. Right. <laughs> right? I haven't right. created a leader. You know, it's just lucky. Yeah. There's no point no. in being happy about that. Right. right. Or happy. There's all point reason the world to be happy. There's no point in being joyful. Right. So he's got to go back to the drawing board and see what part of mission or know-how that he left out. Yeah. Something He didn't do something right. Now, the non-virtuous coach, point guard, dribbles around the corner. Uh, heaves up a prayer. The coach shouts "No!" until it splashes through the net. Luckily, and then and then, and, and then everything's beautiful, right? Right. Well, he's now reinforced a bad 
methodology because point guard's like, ah, I'll just keep doing oh, that. Oh, I got it. Now, I, right. now I know what to do. Right. I'll dribble to the corner and throw it up and hope for the best. That's right. Now, yeah. lesson of all that is if you want to foster up I2, and you should if you're a virtuous leader, you've got to re- reward it with carrots every time you see it. Mm-hmm. Gracefully manage the failures. You know, We talked about grace a couple weeks ago, I think, mm-hmm. what grace looks like. Um, and they're often going to result as, as an emerging leader accelerates his skill. He's going to he's going to fail. You know, right. He's, he's going to make mistakes. Right. And you also have to resist the temptation to reverse incentivize unwanted behavior by rewarding success that only results by accident. Yeah. Well, know, yeah. The lob. The lob. Yeah, right. As it or were. Or the you know the heaving up the prayer. So, I, I, the tough part of and all that is to keep your own as the leader to keep your own ego in check. Right. Right. To make sure that then you don't. Uh, you don't lose sight of mission. Yeah, and but and that that's oh, I love that quote the way you put that because that comes to the the culmination here, yeah. which is if you see legacy as a statue, mm-hmm. right? If you see it that way, then you are looking at what you you want the recognitions for what you left behind, mm-hmm. and it's not it's human nature sure. to to want to be recognized for your work, but you know the length of shadow that you can cast across the years of this whatever it's got it's got two things one is how tall you stand but two where the sun happens to be shining right and you only control the first right right i mean the fact that abraham lincoln happened to be president of the united states at our darkest moment right is either divine providence and that's how lincoln would have put it sure blind luck and that's how bob dylan would put it or whatever (laughs) right but you know there's plenty of great leaders other than abe lincoln who in 1863 were doing something else and we don't know their names Right, no idea. You know, yeah. And we don't know their names, and uh, that's just how. It, that's why there's no point in seeking that kind of thing. You know, Abraham Lincoln didn't seek the Lincoln Memorial. Sure. And from what I've read, would not be happy that it's constructed. Would be embarrassed by it and mm. think it's anti-Republican. Republican, not big R right, Republican. Right. Republican being, we are a Republican. Yes, right? of the Republic. Yeah, uh, yeah of the Republic. Because we're, we don't have kings. Right, you know that's we not, don't build these kinds of we things we don't. to honor. Yeah. So, if you to to avoid that, if you just recall, just remember that your legacy is built uh, in the flesh and blood of the men into whom you pour, and you pass on these leadership habits, and then you spend all that. Then you don't have to worry about legacy because your legacy will be in the man. That's the thing, the sua sponte leader that you create or you help, you foster. That's your legacy. That's the legacy. That's the legacy. That's where I think F three is different. It's not. It's not the statutes anybody statues anybody puts up of you, right? Because those things get torn down all the time, right? Or the it, applause that's at, right. at the board meeting it's, or whatever it might be, right? It's that tree that you start building when you plant and you water and you tend a tree of another man, and then the other man that that man, uh, right? That man tends to, you know, that, that's the thing that that's the heart of legacy. Um, that's what we are looking to leave behind when we construct it. Yeah, everybody, Franklin, yes, is building ships and boats. And some are building monuments and others are just jotting down notes. Everybody's in despair, every girl and boy. But when Quinn the Eskimo gets here, everybody's going to jump for joy. <laughs> you know what? No, tell me. <laughs> Face for radio. <laughs> so thankfully, this is a podcast. It is. It is. Yeah.
everybody's gonna jump for joy Come on Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, the 43 feet out front. But jumping cues and making haste just ate my cup of meat. Everyone's beneath the trees feeding pigeons on a limb. Eskimo gets here, all the pigeons gonna run to him.